0: Welcome to PB&J Connection, this will not be televised podcast. Thanks for checking us out. I'm PB. And I'm Jay. Our health-related discussions will convey educational information about medical research, studies, facts, findings, and experiences of people from every walk of life.
1: Concepts will be simple and easy to understand. We've got you covered, and we promise to not be boring.
0: So let's dive into the world of health you won't find on your television. Welcome listeners
1: to PBJ Connection. We are going to talk today about batteries and disposal and all the things that you ever wanted to know about household batteries. And Pam's going to start us out. So, um, what can you tell us about batteries, Pam? So, Hey
0: Jay, Hey listeners. Welcome again. Um, Alkaline batteries, we use them in everything from tracking devices, radios, toys, um, watches, clocks, cameras, flashlight, lanterns. I mean, the list goes on. You know, gaming systems. Remote uh, controls. Remote control. (laughs) Remote control. We can go down a, a, a plethora of things in which we use alkaline batteries. You know, C, A, double H, triple A, Ds, you know. The whole nine yards, but here it is. It, it was funny because, Jay, I was looking at the um, how much the, we consume, how much we spend, and how much we consume as far as batteries. And according to the, um, uh, this report by the accumulated gross revenue for batteries, it reached $7.5 billion globally wow globally that was in wow. 2022. wow now they projected by 2030 it's going to grow to 10.6 billion dollars can you imagine that amount of money globally for just a, for a battery
1: uh, did did they say you know i didn't find this in my research did you find in your research where most of them are manufactured
0: no, you know, it's funny. I didn't look at what was manufactured. they I did see the leaders. You know, it's like six of the leaders. It, it includes um, Duracell. Well, Duracell is number one. Okay. And then you have some other companies that are are less known, but you can find them on the market because they're a cheaper price point. Sure. And it depends on the price point. They found out that, you know, when the price point, and that's how they kind of rank the companies, when their price point is cheaper, then people tend to buy those types of batteries. But
1: I'm, I'm one of them. Rayovac is what I
0: buy. <laughs> Rayovac, rides. yes. I'm just Ever ready. <laughs> yeah. You know, Ever ready. Yeah. And and even the ones you get at like the battery store, they have their own the brand. The generic, right? Yeah, yeah. These generic brands. But Dora is number one. Well, Surprisingly enough.
1: I, I have to say, and, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but when I have splurged and gotten Duracell batteries, they usually live up to their name. They, they yeah. last the longest compared to Rayovac.
0: So. That is so true. And I've done the same thing. So if I'm going to buy batteries and I have a tendency of buying them at all, right? So, I'll I'll find a pack of 20 or whatever. It's it, For me, it's better to have them on hand, and that's been my attitude, to have them on hand than to not have them, and then I'm searching around the house for a battery, or I'm taking a battery from one device and putting it into another device, and I've done that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we've all done that, Pam. I think we all have.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. So, according to the Environmental Protection Agency, Each year, Americans throw away 3 billion batteries. This is just in the U.S. This is just U.S. citizens. And it's about, which equates to about 180,000 tons of battery and more than 36 tons of just on the single battery, just on a single battery. So they estimated, they kind of looked at it and said, okay, If you took batteries and strain them end to end, that one hundred eighty thousand batteries you uh, these are just dead batteries, right? You would actually it would circle the Earth six times. Wow, that's a lot. So can you imagine that much going into the magic
1: the magic mountain?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the trash. <laughs> the, tra- the trash and the recycling. So unlike, you know, composite trash, you can't put batteries. You're not supposed to put batteries in the trash, but we all do. Because we don't consciously think about it. Sometimes the awareness is not there. What is this battery going to do once I throw it in the trash can? Where is it going to go? Of course, there are processes in place. So that, you know, but batteries are very have very harmful materials, and we have to look at what exactly what is the right temperatures you know that batteries are stored in i mean it's corrosive acids there's nickel there's cadmium there's cobalt there's lead there's there's so many heavy metals um and it goes not when it goes into waste or a, a refuge place those chemicals leach into the water and they actually go into the air you know as as carbon vapors right so we have to kind of look and see what the heck is going on with these so we're going to talk about I want to talk a little bit about the harmful effects of alkaline batteries You know initially i talked about the chemical composition of these batteries the heavy metals there's magnesium dioxide uh there's zinc there's potassium hydroxide and so improper disposal releases these substances in our environments Then, then we talked about the heavy metals you know the mercury the cadmium the the lead um and so these are just, they pose serious health effects on human exposure.
1: And, and Pam, I just wanna say something too uh, for our listeners to consider. Um, we're, if you think back um, how long batteries have been around, household batteries, right? Ever-ready batteries, the usual batteries that you put in your dollies and your, and your toy trucks and stuff. When, when you and I were kids, we're talking, you know, more than 60 years ago, right? No, right. <laughs> I mean, this. So they've been around for a while. When those batteries were manufactured back then, they were not as environmentally friendly as they are now because there are some uh, alkaline batteries that are, they, they call themselves more green. But you think about, <clears throat> you're talking about things like mercury and you're talking about heavy metals those household batteries back then they were, you know, manufacturing them without a care about the environment. And those were also being disposed of in landfills. And when you think about landfills, you think about, well, it's not just what you put in there yesterday. How long has that landfill been there? It's been there for decades. And all those old batteries, they didn't just disappear, right? They, they're they still, they didn't dissolve, they're still there, leading to what you're talking about with the groundwater. Sorry to interrupt, I just want to.
0: No, no, that's a good point, Jay, because, you know, even if somebody consciously bought disposable batteries, right, well, they found out that there's about 14,000, 14,000, this is EPA, 14,000 tons of rechargeable batteries that end up being thrown away these are rechargeable so just to put it this way battery is going to end up in the landfill you know no matter how conscious we try to be they're going to end up in the landfills but because of our consumption of the devices as consumers you know we want the remote controls for our TVs because Jay, you remember we used to have to get up and turn the channel. <laughs> oh, instead... the horror. Oh, the horror. We had to actually oh,
1: get up oh, and turn the channel.
0: Get up and turn the channel. And if you remember when the knob, knob broke yes. on the channel yes. turner, how you had to get a pair of pliers. Well, of course,
1: you, vice grips were the best. Right. I mean, you know, you could just keep them on there permanently and that would be your new dial. <laughs>
0: You still had to get up and turn it You still had on. to get
1: up and turn it. Oh, like I said, the horror. <laughs> the horror of it all.
0: Just just simple things like turning on the TV. We have become very sedimentary in our lifestyles as well as we want convenience. And so um, that alone has has caused a lot of problems with the consumption of batteries. So you talked about you know the the what goes into the soil from these landfills and we talked about the air pollution but there's some physiological effects um, that batteries have and a lot of people don't understand you know so ingestion we know this i think most people know this so if you ingest any of the chemicals that uh, that are transmitted from battery It it causes very serious health problems, anything from heart to liver to, because anything we just, we've talked about this many times on on our podcast, is that it goes through the liver.
1: Well, children, especially if they get a hold of some small battery, and I'm thinking of a triple A, for example, and they decide they want to eat it, because they eat. Kids eat magnets and all kinds of strange things. <laughs>
0: right, just, it's like if they find it on the floor, they're going to find how to put it in their mouth, Right, right. those
1: button batteries, um, which they make very teeny tiny uh, ones for hearing aids. Now we're not talking This is not a household battery or an alkaline battery. It's uh, you know heavy, NiCad, I believe. But those things, if kids get a hold of those things, are very detrimental um, to their systems, I
0: would think. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when the battery starts to corrode, even when a battery starts to corrode and it starts to leak, people don't realize that it's important to wash their hands. If you pick up a battery or you take out a battery from a device that's starting to corrode, to wash your hands because that corrosion, Those chemicals can cause serious skin and eye irritation. You know, you take your hand, you put it in your eye, and then all of a sudden you got a problem, you know, Um, more than just a stye, which I had a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's like there could be serious problems. So we talked about the landfill accumulation. You know, there's so much waste that we already put into landfills.
1: Decades ago.
0: Yes, decades ago, they're still there. And so, you know, there's a a depletion in the resources um, because when you, in, in the extraction and mining process, they're removing magnesium, you know, one of the key elements, zinc and magnesium, from the ground. You know, so we're actually depleting that resource too to use it for other purposes that end up back in the ground with other chemicals that are going to cause health problems.
1: Not to mention interaction with what other, what other ever, what other chemicals that have been put in there with other things because we're disposable, and we talked about this. We're a disposable, convenient society. United States is like total laziness compared to back in the good old days that we've talked about where, right. you know, you, you took your bottles in for deposits, right? Yeah. Um, you used paper bags for your trash bags. You didn't have plastic here, plastic there, plastic everywhere. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we
0: talked about this before. We used, we used pirates dishes, you know, we used um, certain things that were used around the house, but plastic wasn't a main staple for anything in our households. You know, when we packed our lunch, it went into a paper bag.
1: And wax paper know? is what we used w- to wrap our sandwiches.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now we we had metal lunch boxes, but Lord knows they would last forever. Right? They're still around <laughs> on eBay. I think, right? You can still buy them. You can still buy them. So there's a lot of uh, things that we could do, but Jay, what is, I don't know, in your research, have you found out what? How, what is the structure of a battery? You know, I talked about the chemical elements, but there is, I'm sure there is a mechanical structure or some way that, you know, the battery is built.
1: Right, so... <clears throat> Yes, there is. There is a structure, Pam. And let me, let me tell you about it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so when you pick up a battery, you can see that there's uh, a, this is, I'm talking about alkaline household batteries. I'm not talking about rechargeable batteries. I'm not talking about the button batteries. This is just a regular stand, standard run-of-the-mill alkaline battery that we use for remote controls and flashlights and things like that. So there's one end that's got little bump on it and then there's a flat end, right? So if you if you do a cross section of a battery, and this is according to Encyclopedia Britannica, this is not because I know just, you know, because I'm that smart. It's not because of that. It's because I looked it up. So the anatomy of an alkaline household battery is this. First of all, there's the label on the outside. The label on the outside is plastic. So there's your first, yeah, the label on the outside of a battery is plastic. It's PVC, according to Encyclopedia Britannica. Then underneath that plastic, there is a steel-plated cover, right? It's a, it's like a steel, they call it a steel can. Um, under that, there is, an, they call it the outer cathode, and it's made of manganese, dioxide, and carbon and electrolyte then past that layer there's non-woven fabric now i don't know what the fabric is it didn't describe what the fabric is and then there's more electrolyte then there's an anode gel made of powdered zinc and then a brass current collector inside Um, it's like this uh, cylindrical piece of brass now on the bottom the flat bottom part of the battery is is steel plated and that's the negative part of the battery And then the little bump part of the battery at the top is also steel plated. Um, They are single use. They use potassium hydroxide and alkaline as the electrolyte, which I just uh, talked about a few minutes ago, with a zinc gel encased in that steel case. So I know it's not, (laughs) you think about it, it's just multi layers of of chemicals, of metal, and of uh, conductors so that the battery will work from the positive end to the negative end. That's how electricity is conducted to make your device work. It's, the battery is basically a conduit from one end to another end of a device to, to energize it. The, the contents of the battery makes it able to work, right? It energizes the device. And so just like Pam described, um, that white stuff, you know, when you open up a, a, let's say your remote control, you haven't changed the battery in three years, and all of a sudden it stops working. And that white powdery stuff, that white powdery stuff is potassium hydroxide that's been pushed out of the battery casing. And when it reaches the open air, it reacts with the uh, carbon dioxide in our air, and it forms potassium carbonate. So that's that white powdery stuff and just like Pam said yeah don't touch that stuff and and don't don't touch your eyes after you've touched that stuff wash your hands it, it wouldn't be good um, to do that so um, make sure that if you do have that <clears throat> and you clean your battery terminals and you clean your device wash your hands or use uh you know some kind of latex gloves or some kind of gloves while you're you're cleaning
0: your device and so um when hey, I was... I have a question. Mm-hmm. I have a question on this structure because I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Sure. The bump at the top, is it called a cathode? Or cath... So the the
1: cathode the cathode, cathode. is like mm-hmm. it's inside the battery. It it's it's oh, okay. yeah, the cathode yeah, I thought too that the cathode was at the top and the anode was at the bottom, but well, it isn't. It the cathode okay. is inside. The cathode is inside the battery, and the anode is also inside. It's like the internal part of the battery. It doesn't seem like it would be, right? It seems like, well, we need to call the bump something,
0: and we need to call the flat
1: part the something,
0: flat but it something. isn't. It isn't. <laughs> Okay, it just tells you positive and negative, just, right? just
1: positive and negative, yeah. I thought the same thing, and, and then I looked at the, uh, I'm looking, right now I'm looking at a diagram that's got all the pieces and parts labeled so yeah who knew right there's also a brass rivet in there too for anybody who's interested in in all the metals that are in a regular alkaline battery so um, similar to what Pam was saying about the uh, amount of money that's spent on batteries and the amount of batteries that are used what I found was on the batteries in a flash website in a household of two people Anywhere from 20 to 60 batteries are used at any given time. And that depends on how many people live in the house and how many battery-operated appliances and gadgets you have. So 20 to 60 batteries for two people. And when you think about smart houses now and the amount of remote controls that are used for ceiling fans, for, um, for thermostats, for... Oh, yeah, I forgot. I've got a battery in my thermostat um for uh tvs for anything that you've got a remote control for you really have more batteries than you than you think about right um so who knew what i wanted to talk about pam uh especially is why why do we have so many batteries that are just thrown in the landfill right Why isn't there a push, just like we have um, trash collectors that come out and take our recyclables at the curbside, why isn't there some kind of mechanism for batteries? Well, there is, especially for those batteries that have high metal content, like NICADs, like lead acid batteries you have in your vehicles, because those are pretty valuable. The efforts it takes to recycle those out, are less than the benefits, the monetary benefits, that are are, um, achieved. I found this out a long time ago when I did uh, research on mercury-containing batteries and lead-acid batteries. There's a lot of money in reclaiming those heavy metals, so there's an incentive. But when you look at an alkaline battery, there's not that much in a battery to be reclaimed, and you know how small a a triple a is and the bigger ones like a d i think are the biggest or perhaps the 12 volt that you put in a lantern battery i think those are 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 pretty big but i don't know what the contents of those are um there's not a lot of metal in there there just isn't you've got your steel casing right you've got your um, manganese you get your zinc that are you know made the makes everything uh A conduit to energize your device and then you've got like a little thing on each end little steel thing on each end so when you think about someone is trying to make money right and they're gonna say okay we're gonna reclaim uh, the uh, contents of these household alkaline batteries it would take so many batteries to to make it worth the effort to collect those, not only that, but the processes it takes to break all of that down, to separate the plastic, the steel, the manganese, the zinc, um, and the, uh, that little brass thing that's also in there, it would take so much. And so let me just read you some statistics here. There was a a study done uh, by Camino Associates, the Life Cycle Assessment of Alkaline Battery Recycling, a report for the Corporation for Battery Responsibility. This was in 2018. What they did was they took elements of studies that were done um, in 2011 by MIT and 2012, which was a follow-up study to the MIT study. And they wanted to find out if the results from those two studies that were not published, by the way, had changed over time, you know, had the uh, people become more environmentally responsible, had industry said, oh geez, we should really do something about these household batteries because there are so many of them. As you described at the very start of the podcast, oh my gosh, not millions, but billions, right? And that's gonna increase. It's gonna continue to increase. It's not going down because there hasn't been any other alternative right my remote will not take a rechargeable battery to my knowledge so anyway so um based on data collected from the firms that process alkaline batteries collected in the united states and this is in 2016 approximately 3700 metric tons of batteries were collected and recycled now that was in 2016 And that assumes that it's from this, the firms that were doing it at that time in 2016.
0: Are they still around?
1: Well, there's, there's more actually, but I'll get, let me get into that. So there are more now than there were back then, but still alkaline batteries are not the, not the rock stars of recycling. And I'll tell you, uh, I did, uh, just as a sidebar here, I wanted to see where I live in Central Florida, if there were any places that I could go to and drop off my alkaline batteries. Because you and I talked about this uh, offline when we were uh, talking about batteries and a a topic. And there's uh, two websites that I looked at, Earth911 and uh, Cell, uh, let me see, what was it called? Uh, call to recycle and I went to call to recycle and it said oh staples staples says uh, they accept single-use batteries for recycling I went oh happy day I can now take my alkaline household batteries to staples and drop them off so I went to their website because <laughs> you know these are all hot links it said right. and it said oh no we don't accept household alkaline batteries and I'm like no wait a minute I just went to a website that said that you do, but they don't. They don't. They don't. Now I went to earth911.com and I also did another search looking for locations. It said, no, sorry, too bad. So sad. Nowhere you can drop them off, but you can mail them in. And I'm like, what? I'm going to mail them in
0: somewhere, which is going to cost you on my
1: dime, my packaging and my. So how many people do you think are such good stewards of the environment that they're going to say, oh, yes, let me spend 10 or 15 dollars by gathering up all of my alkaline batteries, packaging them up, taking them to the post office. And by the way, their rates have increased or US or UPS or FedEx or wherever, and I'm going to mail them in. That's
0: just not gonna happen. It's just it's not gonna happen. And, and, they, and here it is. Most of them don't anticipate that it will. Well, of course not. It's, 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 it's not going no be- gold, It's no gold in the nugget, no, you know?
1: There's no, there's no value added for either the person packaging thing up or the, the recipient, whoever that is, whatever company yes. that is. Because the the amount's probably going to be so small, they're going to be like well,
0: <laughs> they're going to end up throwing it in the
1: trash. I mean, so, and so <laughs> here's so here's <laughs> the, going to end up in- <laughs> Well, basically, so this study that was done in two thousand eighteen, the bottom line is, I'm going to get to the bottom line. They use ten metrics to determine, okay, what's the what's the the, the value added, what's the benefit of recycling alkaline batteries? They used 10 different metrics. Three of the metrics that they found, which was ecotoxicity, human health carcinogens, and human health non-carcinogens, showed a net benefit for recycling those batteries. But that means it's, there were seven metrics that said, no, there is no net benefit, right? So three out of 10, there was a net benefit. But what is so ironic to me is the three metrics that they said there is a net benefit. Net benefit was ecotoxicity, so that's the environmental. Yes. Human health star- carcinogens. Yes. Uh, just say no to carcinogens. Right. Thank you. Of all kinds. Right. Thank you. And human health non-carcinogens. So things that affect the human health, but they're not carcinogenic. So they found out that most indicators have a net burden and are higher than landfill and incineration and are consistent with the 2011 and 2012 studies that they did. The biggest not net benefit had to do with the greenhouse gas emissions of the processes that are used to recycle and the transportation, right? So they said, to transport and process batteries is so burdensome to the environment and for greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, because we're talking about um, you'd get in your car and driving and, dro- and dropping things off and how many people doing that. Say, Say there were collection areas. So your gas, your fuel, and all that stuff to take to get in your car and do that. And whether that, that, now that also could be a a company fleet truck doing that. It could be someone, you know, in your regular car, or it could be somewhere in between. So not just your your regular vehicle, but it could be a diesel-fueled vehicle, right? That's transporting. And then the process uh, to reclaim those little teeny bits of metal that are in there the zinc and the manganese and the and the brass little piece of brass and the steel right and they said you know it's just the transportation impact and the processing is just not worth it it's just not it's not worth it and we've talked about this before because it's all about the money it's follow the money so here is my bone to pick listeners as if you couldn't tell, right? At what point do humans decide that even if there's no monetary benefit of extracting metals for recycling, at what point do we draw the line and say, human health and, and hazardous waste and, and putting things in the landfill that will impact our groundwater and air and natural resources and wildlife and soil, at what point do we stop and say, well, no, wait a minute, we need to come up with another, another kind of battery that will not have that impact or, or come up with a process that is so state of the art that it will not cost a lot of money to extract those small bits of metal from alkaline batteries, right? And basically, that's what this study said. The study said, hey, if, if someone could come up with a process that would not be so expensive and not be so um, such a pain in the butt, then there would be value, right? There would be. But no one, to my knowledge, no one is stepping up to the plate saying, oh, please, oh, please, look at my process. This is what we could do. And so these household batteries, all and also the ones that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the button batteries that people are just pitching in their trash, right? The ones that you have attached to your garden implements that, you're, that people are throwing in their trash, even though those are collected by places like Home Depot and Lowe's and some other places, you can go and just drop them off. People are inherently not going to be bothered they're just going to throw them in the trash and they're going to go to the magic mountain and they will be and they will mysteriously disappear when the trash truck comes by never to be seen again absolutely and ultimately we because we talked about this uh, i think on some other podcasts the groundwater that is underneath landfills And I'll use um, Florida as an example where the soil is sand, sand, not clay, right? Nothing dense, where things just seep along, get into the aquifer. Aquifer is our drinking water. right? goes into (laughs) our tap, goes into our bath water. Um, Wildlife drinks it. We fish out of it, right? People fish in. All this stuff, where they have found plastics already, by the way, folks. Think about no plastics. heavy metals are not something that are easily flushed from the system, from our system. And so cumulatively, right, maybe not a battery here and there, but cumulatively, we're talking decades of disposal of batteries, all kinds of batteries and all kinds of chemicals. Got to think about that stuff. You can't just wish it away,
0: right, Pam? You can't. You can't. Sometimes just the smallest steps, smallest steps, um, will make a difference. You know, we may not be able to change the world, and I'm not saying that because there probably is somebody, one of our listeners, somebody's listening to this this podcast and saying, you know what? I have a way of doing. It. I have an idea. Well, pursue that idea, because if you can, here it is, if you can change the lives of others, you know, for their benefit, it is worth the effort to go forth and do it.
1: Well, what a legacy. What a legacy to leave. If you can, if there's somebody out there smart enough to come up with a process that will alleviate this, or a new kind of battery that will dissolve, that will biodegrade, or you could throw it in your compost bin... Oh my gosh, you, you'll you be like up right there with Einstein,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree, Jay. I don't have the capability the capacity to do it. I'm not. Um, that... I have tried to think of other ways of, of utilizing the stuff in the, that's in the house that I already have in the house that I know I don't want to put into the landfill. And that's been a challenge in itself because, you know. We talked about plastics. That's another thing, Um, and batteries are just that type of thing. It's like you don't want to. If it's corroding and you see those the white stuff on the on the battery inside the device, your first instinct is get rid of it, throw it away, right? Um, that's what we do that's how we've been raised that's how we it it becomes a part of our culture now interesting enough japan has come up with uh and they're working steadily towards this their battery disposals and so you will actually get fined if batteries are being disposed in the waste trash can i like
1: that so they have i like yeah me
0: too (laughs) too. find them you know give them a warning their first time and then find them afterwards. But they are trying to move towards that, um, or it's getting rid of the batteries in, in a cost effective way. So maybe somebody here in the US or any, honestly, anywhere in the world, I'll, I'll take your help because of the fact that we are globally, we are here collectively, not just individually, but collectively, um, you know, Find ways, find ways it may it may take you a while, but if there's somebody who's out there who's actually working on something and there is a problem that you may be able to come up with a solution. Um, sometimes we doubt our own intuition about the things we do and the the people we affect by the things we don't do well, and not so and so Pam
1: also. For those who, those those smart young people who are creative and innovative and the mistakes that we have made in our generation, the things that we have done that have contributed to what this planet is right now, not just the United States, but the entire planet, the things that we have done, you know, there there are a lot of people who want to correct that and there are a lot of people who just don't care and I would say the younger generation, I, you know, put your thinking caps on, and we, Pam and I are on board. Uh, we would love to hear, we would love to find, uh, you know, people who are coming up with solutions to the problems that we have, we have caused, not maybe intentionally, um, because you'd never thought about the environmental impacts uh, of some of the things that we did decades ago. It just it was an unknown right but this planet we're as far as i know we have no other planet to go to so our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids they need to have a planet that's viable they need to have a planet with um, resources that are not contaminated that are are not tainted and that you know are not going to impact their their health and their
0: and their happiness Amen sister, amen, amen On that note We're going to wrap up this podcast Again, listeners, thank you again For being with us But we're going to leave you with a quote Um, Jay and I both love this quote It's from uh, Gandhi It says, live as if you were to die tomorrow Learn as if you were to live forever And we hope that today you learned a lot Uh, And so live well, be well